Hey everybody, superfan Giovanni here. Welcome to Classic Love Line, episode 545 from October 30th, 1997, a Thursday night show. Closing out the week with a new episode, well, a new lost episode. Guest on this one, D.B. Sweeney and John Leguizamo. This episode, nor a fragment of it has ever existed in the archive. It has truly been buried since 1997, since October 30th, 1997. Nobody's heard it again. D.B. is with them at the top of the show. After Adam plugs his most recent projects, they get in a pretty deep conversation regarding the film Fire in the Sky, which if you're a fan of that movie like I am, it's pretty awesome. Adam talks to him about working with John on the movie Spawn, as Adam's trying to figure out why they were booked together. John Leguizamo was last on the show back in July of 1997 on episode 473 with Michael Jai White when they were promoting Spawn. You heard that one if you listen to this feed. And if you ever want to hear Adam and Drew discuss the film The Cutting Edge, then this episode is for you. As per usual, this is a record in 1997. Some of the medical information may be out of date. Please consult your own physician or contact Dr. Drew and Mike Catherwood on Current Day Love Line. 1-800-LOV-191. Listener discretion is advised. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast One, on Facebook, Podcast One there as well, and PodcastOne.com, home of Life Air Podcasts. And if you'd like to follow and support more of my work, please see Patreon.com slash Giovanni. Mahalo and get on. PodcastOne.com production. <laughs> Welcome Live with Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew. Would you sleep with sick women? I may be pregnant, but I'm still a man. Spank the unruly ones. It's indecent, it's vulgar, it's blasphemous. I'm gonna ride you till you can't stand up. Come on, come on, let's go down. All right, all right, keep your shirt on. Love Line's meant for an adult audience. Love Line may contain sexually oriented content. Listener discretion is advised. Here's Love Line with Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla. Yes. Phone number 1-800-LOVE-191, fax number 310-854-4455. I'm Adam Parola. That is Dr. Drew. Dr. Drew is a board-certified physician and addiction medicine specialist. Tonight our guest is, uh, well, a couple of actors, D.B. Sweeney and John Leguizamo. Although John Leguizamo always is um, actor-slash-performer or something. He's a triple threat at least. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, he's a real artiste. He's got his own book. Yeah, well, that's what he'll plug whenever uh, he hauls his his ass in here. That would be the voice of D.B. Sweeney. D.B. has himself a series out called C-16 FBI. It's on uh, ABC. (laughs) It's like I'm reading the uh, VIN number off a uh, car. Uh, And that would be uh, Saturdays at 8 o'clock. Now, um, you know him from uh, Memphis Bell. See that movie, Drew? No. You familiar with that movie? Familiar with it. Yeah, you know the story, right? Uh, B-52 bomber. Right. Uh, I don't B-17. know if it was a B-17. B- B-17, yeah. yeah. B-17, okay. Didn't have B-52s in okay, uh, World right. War II. I think it came around like Korea or something. Uh, Fire in the Sky, which was uh, based on a true story, right? Yeah, it's supposed to be uh, considered by most of the alien folks to be the most credible alien abduction story in the sense that there were six witnesses who were not related by marriage or predilection for farm animals. So uh, apparently, you know, people think that this is a pretty good take on it. The guy, six of his co-workers observed him being abducted or say they did it's a uh, it's a good rental not because uh, it's a bad movie just because it's been out for about four or five It'd be tough to find it in the theater now. at this point i think <laughs> you'd have to really go to like some corner of iowa to find <laughs> that uh, baby still in the theater but a, a good movie uh db is uh like they're like a they're loggers or something they're yeah. going to do some forced work and uh, he gets abducted, and it's based on this true story, and it was a big... Uh, where did that take place? In Arizona, a little town called Snowflake. 
And uh, you know, I don't mean to make fun. Maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. But it's it's uh, it's a really it's these guys all took lie detector tests and and they didn't really have a really good motivation for it. So as these stories go, there's a lot to support whether or not something happened there. Right. It was uh, it was an interesting story. I'm not. Um, I don't really think about aliens too much, and uh, I couldn't say uh, whether they exist or don't exist. Generally. Either, if I don't see it, it doesn't exist. But uh, after watching this movie, it kind of it's interesting. And it's one of those based on a true story thing. So uh, it's uh, kind of you know, interesting. Before Steven Spielberg, people used to see Mary, and now they see aliens. So uh -huh. I don't know whether he's got a hand in all this or not. That's <laughs> a, uh, a pretty good point. Although the uh, if you're uh, Mexican, you still see Mary. I think you see Mary now, but south of the border, that's actually true. Right, in Eastern Europe. Uh, also, Spawn, which I didn't see, but I guess you worked with John on yeah. Spawn. Johnny and I got to work together. He got to wear four hours worth of makeup every day, and I got to come through and have a little eye makeup put on my goatee. And do you, uh, obviously you're friends with uh, John, and that's why, I guess that's why he's coming in, yeah. or you're coming in tonight. I don't know which one you got here first, but did you know him before Spawn? Uh, yeah, we'd met, but that was our first chance to work together and really get to know each other. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's definitely... Uh, the, the basis of our you know friendship was that job. So you guys just sort of hit it off there. Yeah, he's such a talented guy, and he's a lot of fun to be around. So he is, I hear. <laughs> he was here before. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that because he's not here now, girl. Right. Right, that's uh, that's what you call comedy there. Uh, anyway, there? yeah, John. <laughs> oh, please, Drew. John was on uh, probably two or three months ago, and uh, he's a ton of fun. And uh, he's got a book out called Freak, which is based on his uh, one-man play he does, or one-man show. He does these one-man shows where he does like 35, 40 characters. But this this is a book about his life. Is, it not, is that all factual what's in there? Do you know? I think he just, wherever it's comedically effective, it's real. And wherever it's not, it's uh, he'll go with that. Oh, really? Well, now Drew's disappointed I'm because totally disappointed. Drew perused the book. No, I think it's I think it's all based on on his life. It's I don't. A, know, did you read we'll it, TV? I no, to. I just know that with a lot of his work, he takes a germ of something that's true and then uh, makes it into something comedic. Uh, all right, but this is a book. It's got to be true, right, Drew? Must be. Okay. Well, he anyway. wrote it with a guy from Williams College, SOB. He did. That's my that's my, my my alma mater's great rival. Williams. Williams College, yeah. Really? Why did they they whoop you guys in six man football no, it was, or? It was, it's the oldest rivalry in the country. Williams and uh, where you went to a, um, a lesbian school, right? Yeah, right? Oh, Amherst. Okay, not true. Who cares about your rivals? <laughs> <laughs> you don't hear me uh, complaining about um, uh, Taft and uh, Van Nuys High, do you? Not on the air. Okay. All right. Actually, my uh, my big rival, uh, my big collegiate rival, would be Pierce College out in uh, the junior college out in Woodland Hills, since I. Uh, Intended uh, Valley College for a half a semester. Baseball school, right? Pierce. Pierce. Uh, Pierce uh, Valley. Most uh, most of Valley uh, schools are pretty good for baseball. Valley College, good baseball school, and so is Pierce actually. So you're right, Jerry. But they're called the Brahmas. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even know what a Brahma was when they tried to recruit me for football in uh, 1982. Yeah, we're the Brahmas. The Mamas. The Brahmas. Uh, what's a Brahma? All right, Jerry? Yeah. What's going on, Jerry? It's kind of funny. Valley College is the Monarchs, and I didn't know what that was either. <laughs> hey, if my mom comes in, I have to hang out because she's crazy. What's the matter okay. with her? All right. What's up with your mom? Oh, she's just crazy. I don't know. What does that mean? She gets mad at you, hits you? No, she just runs in here and like, what are you doing? Nah, nah, nah. All right. What's going on? Um, I'm 14, and my girlfriend's 16, and I really like her a lot. How long have you been with her? About, I think, a month and a half. Okay. And, um, 
don't know. I just, I wanted to know if, how I should, I don't know, because I want to start having sex with her. And Jerry, you're 14, right? Yeah. You ever had sex with anybody? Nope. Um, How about her? No. Take your time. Uh, <laughs> make sure it's right for her. She's only 16. Yeah, I know. That's what I want to know. Well, what do you mean she's only 16? He's only 14. I know, but... but uh, um, a... Oh, boy, you're going to screw this one up, Jerry. <laughs> she's she's not a virgin. And Oh. And that's, that's the other thing, because I'm only 14. Hey, Jerry. Yeah. Didn't I ask you about 10 seconds ago whether she's had sex with anybody? Oh, I thought you said me. <laughs> I thought you said him, too. I did. I, I said, I have you, and then... Yeah, thanks. Uh, Jerry? I asked him, and then I asked her. Yeah. Okay, I thought you hung up. Uh, look, hey. if you if you do decide to do this, make sure that there's contraception involved, right? Yeah. Okay. Is she on the pill or anything? Huh? Okay. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Listen, Jerry. Yeah. Listen, I remember when I was 14. Mm -hmm. I was much more lucid than you are now. Uh-huh. And I was at the bottom of my class. So listen, yeah, you can't get her pregnant. You understand that? Um, and I wanted to know. Uh, now let's pursue it around him, hey, Jerry. If you have sex with her, you can get her pregnant. Yeah, yeah. So don't do it. Oh yeah, he may he may have misunderstood wait, 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 wait. that one. I wanted to know if um, if you could ask producer Ann if if it was if it was true. Oh please, <laughs> he's gonna say something stupid, wasn't he? I think so. Let's go on. Drew, let's uh, let's start with the uh, yeah. emotionally capable. All right. All right, and then we'll move our way down. <laughs> Please. You're embarrassing me in front of a DB. He's a big star. Emma? Hi. Emma, you're 23. Jesus Christ, did you sound that the way at 14? Probably. Oh, no, you didn't. I think I was actually sharper than because now I'm so bitter and tired. Emma? Yeah? What's going on? You're 23. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to hang up on you, too. Oh, what do you want me to say? Why did you call us? All right, that's enough. Yeah. See, you really got to... It's incredible. Let me, let me tell you something, D.B. I, I know you may not be a big fan of the show, and what I'm doing right now may, uh, to, to the layman's eyes, no, it's uh, good for appear a lot to be people. cruel. But people need tough love. I do it all the time. You see, we'll get back to Emma in about an um, hour and 25 minutes. She'll be a new woman. So to fire that question right out, it'll be yes, sir, no, sir, or in Drew's case, ma'am. Michelle. Yes. You're 37. Yes, I am. You're on Loveline. Okay. What's going on? Hello? Can you not? All right, that's it. Whoa. Oh. It's uh, it's a Parade of the Tards tonight. What the hell is going on? Try this. Try it. Let's go. <laughs> Just you, you put your fingers to the walk in here. Let's go. I mean, let's move. Adam, are you going to be one of these people, too? I, it's like I'm caught in a parallel universe somewhere. It's so Man. funny. Uh, I, DB, like uh, once every six months, Drew comes in ready to do a radio show, and then uh, I better be ready that night, too. I, God forbid I should have a slow night when he's actually ready to do a show. Craig. Yes. You're 22. Yes. State your question, please. Okay, I just have a concern because... Uh... Growing up, I got involved in some mild drug use, and then for a brief period of time, I was really affected by methamphetamines. And uh, I was kind of curious. I've been off it now for two years, but I didn't go through any type of a program or anything for that. Um, I went to one NA meeting, and I didn't really have a good experience there. And, and I just kind of basically, through other means, pulled myself out of the situation. 
Other means meaning continued marijuana use. No, I didn't, I, I've been completely clean from drugs for about two and a half years. Alcohol use. And now I'm going with incarceration. Actually, uh, no, actually, my means I found through kind of religious. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's a form of incarceration. But <laughs> what? Uh, but I'm kind of curious. What didn't you like about the 12-step meeting you went to? I just had, I saw a lot of a hypocrisy there. Um, people showing up and, you know, saying one thing there and then I'd see them somewhere else. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of that. But that's, that's not uh, any concern of yours. I mean, those are people that are, are still sick. Uh, and most church programs usually incorporate some form of 12-step process. Okay, I wasn't really involved in a program. I uh, just kind of... I began. I got involved in a church, and but most church anyway, most church communities would advise you to get involved in some kind of twelve-step program if you were. Well, they, he didn't. They knew you were an addict. He didn't tell him. They wouldn't let him in. You didn't tell him. Well, I, I, I talked to some people about it, but it wasn't. You didn't tell him. They're not going to trust him with that All right. basket. All right. So what's the question? <laughs> My question is, I'm concerned both about uh, some of the long-term effects of, of that use. I know that I've had. Uh, some dental problems. I've heard that it can cause uh, a breakdown in the enamel of your teeth. Yeah, yeah. You talking about speed? Yeah. Yeah. Like snorting it? Yeah. Yeah. Why, what's that do to you? Why does that hurt uh, your teeth? I don't know why it does, but that, I've heard that too. But the more more serious thing is what it does to the brain. What if you took it in pill form? Uh, I don't know. I think I think still. I think mostly it is how it affects the saliva and the, and the bacterial growth in the mouth. That kind of thing. It changes. Can it have a, a long-term effect on those other things as well? Well, it has an effect on the brain mostly. That's the thing where this is the greatest concern. And there is some concern that there may be some disturbance of of the anatomy. Uh, I'm not convinced that that's the case. Uh, I think once you get off speed, once the paranoias and the mood disturbances settle down, that you're pretty much okay. The problem is you're still biologically an addict, and really all you've done is replace your how you deal with your emotional worlds with now a new structure, this church this church process, which is fine. I mean, I have no, nothing against it, but if you somehow lose interest in that or disconnect from that, you're still going to have that same emotional world there that you initiated your substance with in order to escape. How come no one ever finds Judaism? They do sometimes. No, they don't. No, the, the, they find Bob Jesus Dylan Christ. Did, didn't he? did Bob Dylan do that? I think he did. He looks Jewish, though. He was probably he always Jewish. There? I think he may have started Jewish, uh, may have ignored it, and then went back to it. And then he got it. saved. He did that record saved. He went the other way and came back, I think. That's what he was doing. Oh, did he? Remember that record he did, saved? Had the praying hands on it? No, I didn't. Uh... Not a Dylan guy. No, I mean, I know Bob Dylan like people know Bob Dylan, but oh, right. I, I don't know him like a... you know him. Yeah, I guess I don't know him that well because I, <laughs> I don't even know where he prays. I, I'd go Jew if I was going He's Bob Dylan. He's been there. I just don't know which way he went back and forth. <laughs> Craig, what else going on? Well... I just should I get involved in a, a twelve-step? Be the best thing for you. I mean, you, look, the fact that you've been sober or abstinent as long as you have is very positive, and so the pull of the biology is not so intense. But again, those emotional elements that you needed to escape in the first place are still there, and that internal process needs to be changed. And you can get an individual therapist. You can start practicing twelve-step. There, there are various ways to do it. But if you don't do it, there's going to be something pushing you back towards substances. And your reward systems in the brain are very highly primed now since you were addicted. And you get exposed to something, and it will take off. All right, got to give a quick shout-out here, uh, Drew. <laughs> We've never, ever done this on the show before. But remember at the end of the show last night, I was talking about uh, Scott? Yeah. Scott, the uh, set dresser from yeah, the TV show? Friend, yeah, I never know what to call him. I call him Soda Boy, he gets offended. I call him a set dresser, he gets pissed off. He's a master carpenter or something, isn't he? Or is he a good carpenter? Yeah, but I, we know him as Soda Boy. Yeah. But anyway, he's the guy that gets us our soda when we do the TV show. But uh, he, he's, a, he's a great guy. And uh, I was telling you at the end of the show that he 
went off to like Humboldt yeah. with a video camera two nights ago to film his sister giving birth. And I, uh, I found this to be a, a horrible idea. Yeah, I, see, I hear about guys going in there with their wives all the time, and to me, it's like, you know, there's certain things. You know, you can let the sheet be there and be there for support and everything like that. You don't need to get in there with three but cameras. But your sister. Though. And the sister is a whole other element. I no. Mean. I don't, uh, I, I, my sister breaks wind in front of me. I don't masturbate for a month. <laughs> I cannot see my sister with her uh, legs up on a table. I, I no. couldn't do it. And I'm not saying he was down there with, you know, uh, adjusting the tripod in her garage, but I'm saying... <laughs> I just wouldn't come near the uh, hospital. It's way more information than you need. So um, anyway, Scott's sister uh, had a kid. Scott heard me talking about it on the air last night, uh, called me. Uh, oh, last night was repercussion night. It now, really like, was, I, wasn't I, it? All I did was field calls all day today, like uh, some senator that oh, was really? caught with a hook or I something. I heard the, the no fear thing. What else? Oh, well, Scott called and was giving me crap. Uh -huh. And then uh, another friend of mine who I was talking about uh, who just had a kid uh, called. Yeah. And it was just like, well, I just, it, that's my job. I go on air from uh, 10 to midnight each night and um, yell at a bunch of people. And then I sit home and field calls all day. <laughs> no, uh, Mom, 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 totally out of context. You didn't hear the half hour of the show before the part where I called you a drug addict. Okay. Uh, I got to go because Grandma's on the airline. She's pissed off, too. I got I to smooth that over. So, uh, anyway, the kid's name is Zachary Herskovich. And uh, Tammy and Mike are the parents. I think you met them. I did. They're nice people. And uh, so we just want to give our... Um, he, he called from Humboldt today. That's great. Say hi. We look forward to seeing him. We're going to start filming TV in a couple weeks. So there you go. And my other friend, Chris, called me and said, Yeah, you got to come over. He just got home from the hospital with his new girl. you got to come over and see the video. Uh. Like, oh. <laughs> Do really? Oh, no, it's great. It's great. Uh, geez, I don't know. You ever seen a childbirth? <laughs> and then he goes, Hold on. What? She did? Yeah. Um, my little girl just had a solid poop. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I'll be right geez. over. Don't move it. Oh, you guys, wait till those, those neurons start firing in your heads. I know, but... You're going to be I hope, helpless. I, I don't have any kids. DB, do you have I hope you don't have, have children? Girl, yeah. No, I don't have any kids. I... Listen, Drew. I would... Uh, I'm going to be the world's greatest dad, please. If you have a kid before you're 60. <laughs> here's here's what I'm going to try to remain um, cognizant of, and I and I want you you to help me, Drew, if I get out of line. If I start bragging about the kid's solid BM, I want you to hit me. Oh, it's inevitable. Because you get into stuff, I've noticed parents, getting, I've had more parents of like 18 month uh, year olds say, or 18, 18, how do you say that? 18 month olds. 18 month olds uh, say to me, this is the smartest kid ever. Oh, yeah. This kid has a sense of humor. Well, that's I'm what, telling yeah. you, this Look, kid's got this uh, kid's got a sense of humor like uh, under, Albert Brooks. Under I'm telling you, parents project so much out of kids. Unbelievable. It's like, uh, hold on, the kid can't talk. How do you know the kid has yeah. a sense of? Humor? The other day, I'm make I'm, I'm giving the kid a uh, popsicle, and uh, I, I hand the popsicle to the kid, and then I turn around and go in the fridge. He's holding the popsicle by the frozen part and licking the stick. I'm like, uh, the kid is retarded. No, no, the kid has a great sense of humor. <laughs> the kid is 13 weeks old. He does not have a sense of humor at this point. If he does, it's totally inadvertent. Is, wouldn't yes, you say, Drew? absolutely. It's all, all, all a big mistake. All right, D.B. Sweeney's here. Where's your friend John Legazamo? Johnny's, uh, he said he was going to have a short conversation with his girlfriend, so maybe there'll be something to report when he gets uh, here. Right? So, uh, I don't know. Yeah. See, John's one of these, you know, he, he, that, that talented thing, it's a double-edged sword. You know, it makes you good for these one-man shows and everything, but volatile relationships. Yes. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. I saw the report, though. He may be coming in with a hot lead on something. I right. mean. So it's quite a, it's a, no, quite no, a cross to bear, that talent thing. Emma, thank God we're, we can enjoy our lives. <laughs>
Emma? Yeah. Hi, what's going on? So you want just enough talent to make money, but not so much. And it burdens you. Pay no attention to It burdens you, right? Go ahead, Emma. Emma? Yeah? What's going on? Um, I called last week about uh, my boyfriend who, like, was kind of obsessed with, like, wrestling with me. Oh, yeah. That's right. You remember this, Drew? Yeah, she had been. Oh, this is the spook story. This is the spooky oh, story. This is such a good uh, Halloween's Eve oh, story. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Emma? T tell it again. Tell it again. The whole thing? Yes. Just, just the part that really traumatized you the most. Well, um, when I was nine years old, um, I started having a dream that there was, like, a man in my room when I was, like, in sleep. Now, we, 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 want to, we want to get some of the details fleshed out this thing, because Adam and I actually argued about this story a couple times. We had a times. fist fight after the show so, that night. So all of us, just one night you woke up and you believed there was a man there, right? Right. He, and was, he, was in, he had like a dark suit on, he had dark hair. And, and you, start, you start screaming and crying? Well, not at first, because I don't, I don't know. I thought it, I was like dreaming. I wasn't scared. Did he touch you or did he pull the sheets off or anything? Yeah. Adam? What? Listen to this part of the story. What did he do to you? He would stand, like, at the edge of the bed and stare at me. Yeah. And so I would, like, he would, like, walk around my room, and he'd come out of my closet, and then I wouldn't be able to see him for a while. And then he'd start to pull the covers off the bed, and they'd fall into the foot of the bed. And then I wouldn't have anything to hide under, so then I'd cry, and my dad would come upstairs. Would he touch you or anything? No. You no, never... but did you, did your dad come into the room? Yeah, then my dad would come upstairs. And he had vanished? And No, he, well, apparently. He was standing in the room when your dad came in? No, I, like, I don't but He had vanished. At the time. Oh, please. All right, so, okay, they keep going. I mean, you didn't run into your parents' room. No, I would not get off the bed. All right, kiss my ass, Drew. This is what our big argument was. <laughs> no, it was about whether he touched her or not. No, you said that uh, that he would stand, and then you would go into the parents' room, and I would say, no, they would come into that right, room. You right. know I'm right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Go ahead, Emma. Okay. No, because like, I had, like, a European-style bed, you know, it's high up, where yeah. you need, like, the steps to get on. Wow. Right. So, it it was a big thing for me to get off my bed. Right. And someone could grab me. That was. All right, so Dad would come into the room, but when Dad came in, this guy had vanished. Right. But well, everybody I, assumed you were dreaming, of course. Right. So, I, you know, I'd be upset. I said I thought there was a man in the room, and he was staring at me, and he would be like, my dad was like, it was just a dream. Just lean over and turn your light, and you'd see there was nothing there. So he'd calm me down, and then he'd put my coverage back on the bed, and then he'd go back downstairs. And then it happened for several times a night. Several rest. times a night? Yeah. For how long? For two weeks. Oh, my God. A little over two weeks. But. And then what? Well, um... Maybe we should take the break now. Okay. You're right. You're right. I have to uh, evacuate. All right, Emma. Yeah? Listen. This is a great story. Hold this story. The DB, this is... You're, you're going to soil your, um, your, your shorts when you hear this. It's going to be firm, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can brag about it. Uh, Emma? His parents can't, anyway. Hold on. Emma? Yeah. All right, Hold hang, on. hang on a second. Uh, Emma called in, told us this story, uh, I think it was about two weeks ago, and yeah. it just, when we heard it, sent uh, chills uh, down our spine. And um, it was we really weird because, um, well, anyway, it's, uh, it's a long story. But she will finish the story, and it has a chilling conclusion. I'm starting to itch. Loveline will be right back. Dr. Drew will say something brilliant, but no one will hear him because Adam will be making funny noises. Uber! Mmm. You like making money? Why not? Want to drive away with cash? Uber. Drive with Uber. 
They've got the popular smartphone app. Connects the riders with the drivers. And you make your own hours. You're your own boss. Your cubicle has four wheels on it. It is Uber. Uh, Matt, you're doing this, right? Yeah, I am loving it. I'm literally just driving around town, listening to my iPod, and making money while I do it. It's incredible. And then how do you get paid, and how does the whole thing work? Basically, when you sign up, you give them account information, and just like you would at a normal job with direct deposit, they essentially just once a week you get money funneled into your account. I have it going straight to my savings account, so it's just adding up. Good, because I was looking at kind of scaling it back around here. Yeah, now we'll know exactly well, now you can, owe you. you can bridge that gap oh, wow. with Amazing. Uber. Uber, baby. And you just turn your phone on, and when you want to turn the app on, you send up the bat signal. Yeah, you literally push a button that says go online, and when you're done, you tap it again, and you're offline. It's that simple. Love that. Parents, make some money around your family schedule. Students, you make money between classes. Everybody makes some money with Uber. Sign up to be a driver at Uber. Visit drivewithuber.com. That's drivewithuber.com. Drivewithuber.com. All right, heads up, guys. Blinds galore. Labor Day sales coming. You can save up to 50% on everything. Get your free samples so you'll be ready to go when those sales start. It is summer. It is hot. And you can use your blinds, or at least get your blinds from Blinds Galore, to get window coverings. And slash your home's heat gain up to 50%. Save you up to $150 on your energy bill. BlindsGalore.com. Pioneer custom window treatments. You heard him talk about it before. Two million windows of county are covered. They know exactly how to get the right window treatments at a great price. Everything you get will be custom made. That's made for your window. It'll fit perfectly. Don't get out. Go to the store. You don't have to bother with any of that. Just measure it. It's easy. You save a ton. And they offer smart blinds that work with your smart home system as well. These guys really have all the blinds and shades you could ever want. Everything. They got it all. Whether you need more privacy, to sleep in, to cool down, or just fix up a room, Blinds Galore is what you're looking for. And remember, it's Blinds Galore Labor Day sale coming up. Save up to 50%, so get samples, so you'll be ready to go. Blinds Galore makes it easy to get the custom blinds and shades you've always wanted in your home. Go check out BlindsGalore.com and let them know I sent you, Dr. Drew. That is BlindsGalore.com. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and you're listening to Love Line. Huh. Oh, yes, you is. Uh, D.B. Sweeney's here tonight. C-16, FBI... PDQ is the name of the series. Saturday, 8 o'clock on ABC television. But not this Saturday because they're putting ice skating on, so watch it next Saturday. Hey, wait a minute. Weren't you in that ice skating movie, yeah, too? Yeah, yeah. Which one? Is that? Castles of, uh, of Castles Frost of... or something. What the hell is that thing better. called? I, where were you when we put this movie on? Castles of Frost. That would have been $100 million bucks easy. What was that? Uh, the Cutting Edge. The Cutting Edge, yeah. yes. That was awesome. Castles of Frost. That's what I'm naming my autobiography. D- <laughs> DB played, it was it's a brilliant idea. DB plays like a tough a hockey player. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I remember this one. And uh, yeah. don't jump in if I'm wrong The here. figure skater. And he's injured yeah. somehow, and uh, somehow he's not hockey skating anymore. And he gets paired up with this sort of uh, silver spoon in mouth, uh, temperamental, uh, eating disordered figure skater. And uh, they have to team up to do a uh, pair team, right? Exactly right. Who was the girl in that movie? Her name's Moira Kelly. Oh, she was yeah. hot. She's awesome. Yeah, what, she's what? been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, uh, she was in the Twin Peaks movie. Oh, her, right. She was in Chaplin. She, she's been. She's a good actor. Yeah, do, uh, you're you're an athletic guy, right? I mean, can you ice skate? 
Yeah, I'm a good ice skater for an actor. You know, but I mean, <laughs> that's, right. that's about as far as it goes. Where, where are you from originally? I'm from New York, from Long Island. So, and uh, but you, I didn't to, really, you learned to skate out there. I, I didn't play. No, I didn't play until I did the movie. Did you Did you have a hockey team in high school though? No, I, I never skated until we did the movie. No, we never yeah. skated at all. No, they just Moira and I actually neither of us really skated, and wow. they trained us together for three months, and I think that's one of the reasons the movie works so well. I thought that. you had to skate when you uh, for like transportation when you came from the east. Oh uh, no, no, Long Island's pretty moderate climate. If you're upstate New York or you're Massachusetts yeah. or Rhode Island, I think it's different, but Long Island's pretty moderate. It, it blows my mind when uh, I have like friends from Buffalo who'd go, yeah, each year around. Um, you know, uh, late October, we... Skate to school. Would you quiet down, Drew? There <laughs> <laughs> no, you uh, Hans Christian Andersen all of a sudden. No, they would they would uh, take the backyard and, like, you know, kind of rope it off a little and, and spray, spray water on hose, it for, right? like, a week, and they'd make a hockey rink in the backyard. How wow. bizarre is that? Just all I had was one of those doughboy pools that fell apart. Anyway, um... <laughs> Anyway, so uh, many other movies too. Spawn, Strange Luck, uh, the uh, TV show, which is uh, which was a good show. Not on the air anymore, is it? No, the Fox. Uh, we had it on eight o'clock Friday night, which is like the second worst time slot you can have in the week. And now I got it on ABC Saturday night eight o'clock, which is the worst time slot. So I'm pretty much trying to cover the the least uh, uh, positive places you can be on the network dial and see who actually seeks me out. Well, uh, you, all right, I don't want to get into it. All right, let's all hear right. the story. All right. When we left off, we're speaking to Emma. Emma called in last week, and she's going to uh, retell the story. Now, where we left off with Emma, Emma lives uh, lived in a in a big house, right. like a, like a mansion, yeah, and there with, were with servants the servants, right. and and that kind of thing. And she didn't uh, just tell us that we knew that from the last time she told us. Right, that story. and every night or a couple times a night for a couple of weeks, as a child, I believe it was about nine years old, she would see this figure of a man standing at the foot of her bed at night and pulling on the covers and up to all sorts of nonsense and she would scream and the dad would come into the room and he would be gone and the dad uh, obviously just thought she was having a bad dream and would tuck her back in and tell her to forget all about it. Emma? Yeah. All right, so this went on for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And then... Well, about... It was like a little after, like two weeks after this like started. I was in the basement, and I heard something coming from the wine cellar. So I went in there, and there was a small door that like opened up to the crawl space, and I heard noises. So I opened it up. Oh, in the crawl space. Yeah. Well, this is even better. <laughs> yeah. And the man from my dreams jumped out, and I like stumbled backwards and kind of fell down. I didn't like know what to think, and my dog was with me, so my dog jumped and attacked him. A Rottweiler. Yeah. And I ran upstairs, and I wasn't really hysterical, and my dad realized something was serious was wrong, so he ran downstairs. And the man, apparently, he had a knife, and he stabbed him in the arm. And they tackled the man down, and then some other people that were working in the house ran down. And uh, a few minutes later, the police showed up, and um, they have no idea how he got past the security system. But, but he was living down in that basement. You said, we told a story last time, you said they, you found a bunch of cigarette butts. Yeah, they found, um, well... They got into the cross space and they found like my panties, a uh, nightgown, um, some pictures, a stuffed animal, weird things. And, and, and condoms. Then, at the time, they didn't realize that this was the guy that had been in my room. And so my dad was holding me, and I'm like, that was the guy from my dream. That was the guy from my dream. So then, with the stuff that they had found, they decided to go up to my room, and like under my bed, they found cigarette buds and condoms and panties and. Are you, are you, was anybody concerned that the guy actually... Although, let's, let's be fair. If you checked under my bed, you'd find panties, cigarette butts, and condoms, <laughs> too. Except for my reaction wouldn't be horror and outrage. It'd be, oh, yeah, there they are. Glad I got one. Yeah. Okay. Hey, uh, I still smoke that was one. Was anybody concerned, Emma, that this guy had done anything to you? 
Um, yeah. Do you think he did? No. Okay. So really this whole thing with your boyfriend wrestling just triggered all those old memories. Have you talked to him since we last talked to you? Yeah. And what happened? Well, re- re-explain. Last time she called, her boyfriend kept, like, wrestling with her when he was got Was that guy amorous. in the wine cellar? Did he have a corkscrew down there? Or was he just... Because, I mean, that was really the mother load. That was... Um, our house is divided. There's, like, the, there's a main part of the house, and then there's an east and west wing. Oh. And so the security systems are divided for each one of those. And so the wine cellar had, like, there's a set of steps that go up the west wing. What does your parents do? My dad's an anesthesiologist. My mom's a child and adolescent psychiatrist. Wow. This is the old days of medicine. This is when they used to make yeah, money. Yeah, before HMOs. That's huh? right. Wow. Where where was this house? What's, what city? It's um, outside of Chicago. Oh, okay. Wow. Right. That is the spookiest thing in the world. Oh, so yeah. he was just living down there for a couple of weeks, to the best of your knowledge. They're not sure. Because the last time they, they, had in, they investigated to see, like, the last time this guy was, like, seen. And so... They're thinking it was probably two to three weeks, but it could have been a little more. Oh, this is, uh, reminds me of the TV movie Bad Ronald. He lived under the staircase. Oh, it's just the world's greatest TV movie. Yeah, Engineer Mike. You, people who know Bad Ronald know what I'm talking about. I was thinking if there was some really good Bordeaux that had been drunk, maybe it was Roman Polanski. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Emma, so you talked to your boyfriend. Yeah. And what'd he do? What'd he say? Yeah, he wasn't thrilled. <laughs> um, well, I mean... I really wasn't thrilled. But but her problem was is her boyfriend would wrestle her, and, and she would freak out. And well, obviously this is why she would freak out, because this man had tried to overpower her when she was when she was young this way, and this, um, this shook those memories loose. Well, probably, but most people wouldn't enjoy being, you know, pinned to the floor, I didn't think. Right. Which no, but it, we, we, we but wouldn't. But for your case, it really, it, it's got to re-trigger those old memories. It has to. I mean, you got right to it when you when we were discussing it with you the other night. Did you ever like it when it was just gentle wrestling, kind of roughhousing, and then it got where you didn't like it? No, there is no intermediate. <laughs> it's just like, you know, kind of like throws you under the floor. You're virgin, right? Yeah. Mm. Why do you think you're virgin? It's not a religious thing, right? No. How come you've uh, not been with a guy at 23? Well, because I went away time in like a long-term relationship, and I'm really involved in school, and Okay. All right, so you talked to your boyfriend about it, and his answer was? He wasn't happy, so we're, we're like, going to just stay friends. That's my idea. All right, so you guys are breaking up. Well, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Probably a pretty good idea. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't really understand why he would object to you asking him not to uh, get him in a, well, uh, look, her in a uh, headlock. How about having no, no empathy for her when she brings up this horrible story? Well, he isn't exactly broken up by him. Well, good. Uh, this this speaks high, uh, speaks uh, well for your health. All right, so you broke up with him. Yeah. All right, good. We're letting you go now, Emma. Okay. Everything okay with you? Yeah. Mm, okay, Emma, you got this thing going on. You have, like, weird combativeness. You, you know what I mean? Like you're uh, angry all the time. Are you angry? No. No? Okay. I think so. All right. right. It comes across that way. Does it? Yeah. Well, I hung up on you like the first two times I spoke to you just because you're real combative. I didn't even know who you were. Didn't even know it was Emma. I forgot it was Emma. You, 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 you sounded combative? Yeah. You even sound combative about being combative. All right, Emma. Well, good luck. Thanks. 
Right. But that may have something to do with why she has not had a long-term relationship. Yeah, Emma's just uh, has that, uh, there's something going on with her. And it, it's more than the incident. Yeah. Although, uh, I think there's more to the incident. Well, that's, Possibly, that's, that's what I worried too. too. That's why I wondered about it. Yeah, but her mom is a psychologist, so you know there's some uh, little insanity running in the family there. I, I don't know what it is, but uh, for some reason, uh, if your parents were uh, cops, there's a lot of violence in the family. And if they're psychologists, um, there's a lot of uh, insanity in the family. <laughs> I, I, I can't quite figure that out. It's like, because if your dad's a butcher, then there's, you know, it's pork chops every night. That, everybody that br- makes Everybody sense. brings the work home, one way or the other. Yeah, I guess... Uh, Compensation. <clears throat> the, uh, they say the con- contractor's house is the worst one on the block. Michelle. Yes. You're 37. Yes, I am. You're on with D.B. Sweeney. Hello. Hello. Um... I have a question for Dr. Drew. Yes, ma'am. Um, my husband is um, a heroin addict. Mm-hmm. He um, this summer went through a rehab and uh, relapsed within about three weeks of coming out of the rehab. How long was he in for? He was on a partial hospitalization thing, and he was there for a month. So he never stayed anywhere. He was just in the no, day program. No, because of the um, insurance. He, I tried him. A methadone program before. Oh, horrible. Yeah. That means yeah. he's in bad shape, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's How, a very complicated... It's <laughs> How long has he been on heroin? Um, probably, from my, from my guesstimations, not from his honesty of it, is about two years, and I think he's been shooting it for probably maybe a year. I hope you're being careful. I mean, hepatitis, uh, HIV, all that. Right, um... Well, with, uh, along with the heroin also goes the need for sex. and um, I just don't quite understand the... The need for heroin goes up, need for sex goes down. Right, exactly. Yeah, I was and guessing that. I just don't quite understand. He's back in a methadone program. Ugh. And he doesn't seem to... We, we've been together four years. Um, we have a small child. Uh, what is your question, Michelle? The question is, I don't quite understand the methadone. I don't... Uh, and the the problems with him, I, I don't know what the best thing to do with him is. I knew there was a, a deep, dark secret somewhere in there that he kept sabotaging his job. What was uh, it? Um, he was molested as a child right. and witnessed okay. a murder. Oh, jeez. At how, what age? Um, Ten. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, I, I got to put Michelle on hold because we got to go well, to break. Let me, let me let me answer real quick. Well, well the methadone is is a detox tool basically. They put people on a 21 day protocol and taper the methadone out, down slowly so people don't experience much in the way of withdrawal. I have yet to see a methadone taper that holds. Uh, most people chip heroin once they get below about 10 or 15 milligrams per day of the methadone. Methadone maintenance, putting somebody on 60 to 100 milligrams of methadone a day, is basically saying that patient's untreatable. And we're just going to put them on as much opiate as they need, just a long-acting opiate, a long-acting heroin, we call it methadone, and put you on that and just send, send you out to dry. And uh, you people do not function terribly well that way. Although I've seen some successful people on methadone, eventually their house of cards fa- falls. The the only way really to treat the well, disease... Well, it's a lesser two evils thing, right? It is, it is. If, if he's going to die because he's you know dangerously <laughs> shooting up drugs and putting himself in harm's way, then methadone is a reasonable alternative. It is not It is not remission, though. It is still just sort of stringing the disease along. Can you give me some of that methadone? The only way that he really is going to be successfully treated is if he's in some kind of long-term, highly structured program, residential for three to six months. He has a very serious traumatic history that he's going to have to deal with in the process of recovery mm-hmm. and his heroin addiction. It takes a lot of time. And a partial program, to my way of thinking, is inadequate 
for that combination of problems. Are you a real doctor or just a love doctor? Thank you. Okay. What's the music about? What? Oh, the music? This is Dr. Drew for True Car. Everyone is talking about transparency these days, a word you hear a lot because people want it. So when it comes to making a big purchase, like perhaps buying a new car, you expect some transparency in the buying process. This is a process that gives you the confidence to know you're getting the fair deal, right? So you can really look at all the details. To understand the power of transparency, you need to check out True Car and True Car's mobile app. True Car not only can configure the car you want and how you want it, but you can see what others actually paid for the same car you're looking for. Down to the zip code, so right in your area, you see the very same car. So you know what you can expect to pay for the car you want. Pretty transparent, right? And once you decide on that car, you can lock in guaranteed savings on an average over $3,000 off MSRP. Then you're connected with a trusted True Car certified dealer that will honor your savings without any negotiation, no shenanigans. So when you're ready for a new, transparent car buying experience, save time, save money, and never overpay. Download the True Car app today. All right, more love line. Phone number 1 800 LFEE 191, fax number 310 854 4455. DB Sweeney's our guest tonight. C16 FBI on ABC Saturdays, 8 o'clock, with uh, Eric Roberts, who um, I've decided is uh, has to be mentally unstable. I think this is. Uh, Too good an actor? <laughs> well. That's usually Adam's assessment. He's a great acting. Must be crazy. Well, that that is true in a lot of uh, acting. And, and and what I've learned from uh, acting is the guys who always play the uh, uh, high-strung, weird, uh, violent, uh, uh, screwed-up guys usually kind of kind of screwed up. Like uh, take a guy like uh, you know Michael Matson, for instance. I know he's got to be kind of a whacked-out guy. I don't know if you ever worked with him before him, or not. Uh, I think he's a good actor. I don't know. I mean, it, you know, Eric is good at playing psychos, so people figure he must be a psycho. That's but, what I'm. That's where but, uh, I think the I smart money that, is. I don't think that always adds up. Eric Roberts is a guy who's done. He's done some amazing movies, like um, let's see, he did the uh, uh, King of Greenwich Village, right? Pope. I mean, the Pope. I knew that was wrong. He did the Pope of Greenwich Village. He did. Um, uh, Runaway Train, and I uh, did like the uh, Star Eighty, Star Eighty, and the Coca Cola Kid, or something. he's done he's done a lot of interesting movies, and then he's done like uh, Best of the Best Part Nine, <laughs> <laughs> like horrible karate <laughs> movies where like uh, him and uh, uh, I don't know, it was like uh, uh, one of the Penn brothers Pen. is going going to Korea to kick some ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always love movies where they work up uh, where they just trump up some theme, you know. All right, uh, you realize why we've called you all here today, because you're the best martial artist America has to offer. Now, we're sending you to South Korea to fight the best uh, Korean team. And the winner of that fight will, uh, will uh, 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 nuclear supremacy will uh, will be held in the balance. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, what is this? Where does this go on? Uh, uh, you know, it was that way with, like, uh, even a movie like The Karate Kid. You take a movie like Karate Kid, it's not kickboxing. 
It's not um, point fighting. Um, Ralph Macchio is 125 pounds. He's taken on guys that are like uh, 310 pounds. There's apparently there's no weight divisions or anything no. in all these all these great karate movies, and it, it's not any kind of Olympic sport or anything like that. It's just a world event. They make up their own events. Yes. Yeah, wax right. on, wax off. All right, so uh, that is the movie you can, or I'm sorry, the uh, series you can find DB in, and uh, you remember him from uh, Spawn and uh, Memphis Belle and uh, Fire in the Sky and uh, other. Uh, What's Castles the other one? The uh, snow cones and castles and snow cones in hell. What would you know? Ca- uh, uh, mounds of frost. Mounds. I like that. Yeah. Mount- no castles. It was castles, castles of frost. frost. Is what it, the cutting edge should have been called. I, there's no doubt about. it. I'm getting on the phone MGM and see if they can re-release a video. That was a great movie. Yeah, I'll narrate the director. <laughs> Susan. Hi. Hi. Um, I've been having trouble getting or being able to have sex with my husband, or just feeling aroused with him. Mm-hmm. For how long? Oh, it's been going on for a few months now, and it happened a few couple years ago after we first got married, too. What I, was happening then? Well, I was dealing with a lot of issues about sexual abuse. And is that coming back again? I, I'm not sure. I think so, but I'm having trouble talking to him about it. Why? Because I think he thinks that we've dealt with it and it's over with. Um, wh- what this was is the- not something that is ever really over with, and it certainly isn't something you deal with with your spouse, mm-hmm. particularly. It isn't? I mean, you you manage with your spouse, but you don't somehow resolve it with them. It doesn't go away. Okay. I uh, I will take the same approach to sexual abuse if my spouse was sexually abused as I would uh, to the uh, the whole uh, birth thing. I'll be over here. <laughs> <laughs> you uh you and the uh, shrink go to town, baby. I'll be passing out cigars in the waiting room. You ever been in the shrink? Uh, you're an actor. I went know. to the shrink a couple times just because uh, I I had a, a couple girlfriends ago. I she said, you know, you should go talk to somebody, and I was like, Yeah, they they always tell you that just yeah. to screw with you. And I thought, uh, all right, well, what, you know, I don't know everything, so I went down there and I talked to her a few times, and I stopped going because I thought she was too entertained. Oh, so, right. well, I feel like she was a little she, smitten by your yeah, stardom. Well, I was, I don't know. She had a bunch of crazy actors in there, you know, and people like that. And you ever running crazy. Eric Roberts in the uh, No, Eric's, no. Eric's okay. <laughs> well, it doesn't mean anything's wrong with you if you need therapy. Uh, the the worst is when you sit in the office and there's a full-on fight going on in the therapist's office. Like, uh, there's couples therapy, uh. and the woman is crying, saying, You use me! You use me! And uh, right right at the, you know, height of her um, uh, of her, of her um, the tantrum, uh, you hear the therapist, uh, We're out of time. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing. So I... they pull it together, and then they open the door, and they're walking out. She's wiping the tears away, and he's, like, straightening his collar. And you're just sitting there on a sofa just staring at him. I mean, they know you've heard the entire the entire thing. You're only, you know, a wall's thickness away. <sighs> i got to get back into that. All right, so Susan? Mm-hmm. I think they should find a way to merge outward bound and therapy. Oh, they have. Have they? Oh, yeah. So you, like, repel while you're Oh, no, that, that for kids, for yeah. adolescents, that is just, definitely just a... Just the whole a, idea, a, because I, you get 50 that's minutes. That's a modality, yeah. First of all, I understand you're trying to teach me how to everything, sort everything out in my life, and your hour is 50 minutes long. So, or 45, you know, 45 or whatever. And I, you know, and it just seems like I, I'm just working into it, and it's, well, that's all for today. And I thought, you know, so I just started to get a little angry about that whole, you know... It, it is true, right, when you get a good head Why of steam going about hours? your parents. Eh. I only need about a buck 15. Can't you just run me over a little... <laughs> But uh, it just should be a jar that you feed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you put like a fiver in there on your way out. You really should be. Hey, if you can tip uh, bartenders, why can't you tip a therapist? All right. Anyway, Susan, yeah. what what happened to you when you were 
with the uh, sexual abuse? It was my older brother. Mm. Uh, what happened to him? What? Who abused him? I my I th I don't know if anybody. Somebody did, I assure you. Probably. Yeah, but guaranteed. I don't know for sure. I, I know for sure. That Probably my stepdad. I'm I'm not positive okay. who or what, but okay. I was in seventh grade and he's three years older than me. Uh, and uh, what what happened? Oh. Uh -oh. I still can't talk about it well enough. Oh, yeah, okay. boy, but, but Susan, look, that's still there in a big way. Was it? I mean, was it? Was it? It's not. It wasn't a one-time thing. No. It was a repeated thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's. Uh, that's pretty heavy stuff. I don't. I don't it's, even. We've been to therapy together. I mean, I didn't even admit it to myself until I met my husband. You know, five years ago, and he was. You know, I, I guess I felt comfortable enough with him to talk to him about it, and we got into therapy together. I've never done therapy on my own. Where is your brother now? In Chicago. Did you have any kind of relationship with him? Um, I after some months of therapy, I finally talked to him about it, and I don't know. He accepted all responsibility for it, but I haven't really talked to him a whole lot since then. Mm. Yeah, that's it. It's a kind of a weird situation. It's kind of tough with your husband too. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I don't know, you know, what his role is in the in, in the yeah. whole therapy process and everything. He's been very supportive. He never really blamed my brother. He blamed the family, you know, and he realized that John, my brother, was probably victimized himself. Victimized as well. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel so. I feel really guilty about not being able to have sex with my well, husband. Well, look, right now. this is uh, understandable given what you've been through. Don't feel guilty. Well, how but about just, you know, a little something once in a while? Well, oh, what is so wrong with that? Everybody gets no, uh, such mind. a puss on when I say that. <laughs> no, I like to cuddle and I like to be with him. It's just that when we start to get real physical, then I just really get turned off and... and uh, I, I know, but I... I <laughs> you know. All right, listen. All right, let me, let me put this out w there. Women can't do that. TV, I know you're going to agree with they me. They can't but do that. Drew, you, you played uh, devil's advocate here. Women can't do what you're going to suggest. Adam, what, what do you mean can't do it? Just hold no. still. What are they, you they, talking they, they about? They can't do it without feeling really Adam, bad. Really? Yeah. Adam, listen. What? It, I've tried that, and it hurts. Oh. It physically hurts when I don't want to, and I try to anyway, it hurts. I know. Listen, people are, you know, I can, I'm lining up new calls for tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> uh, this is what I'm doing now. Listen, I'm not saying, you know, uh, uh, be victimized, so on and so forth, and uh, you realize that something happened to you that really um, uh, turned you around a little bit sexually a long time ago. You, you try as you might, you don't want to take it out on your husband, yeah. but you can't help it. This is the way you feel. Yeah. On the other hand, on the other hand, you understand that your husband is a man. Mm -hmm. He's in his uh, mid twenties theoretically, mm -hmm. and uh, you know he has needs and desires. I know. So you have to balance that a little. The what about like just a little oral sex, like twice a month or something? This is a sort of a, yeah. you know, like w sexual uh, uh, welfare. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like a little something to keep them off the streets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, you know, you don't want to do it, you know, but you just, you know, what is life? Life is just, uh, Drew, do you want to be here now? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. You want to be home, right? It's you're here. All right, it's not so bad. All right. All I'm saying is, is uh, I, I know this goes against every every uh, bit of uh, psychological text that's ever been written. Well, what about you give the guy a uh, little oral sex, like uh, two, three times a month, and you say, "Listen, uh, this is what I'll do while I'm in therapy, and uh, this is all I got in me right now, and I don't enjoy it, but it's it's ten minutes a, a week." And you know, you think you do that? 
Well, I'll talk to him about it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he could be. He, yeah, believe me, if he's not getting any sex, he's coming to the bargaining table. You know what I mean? He's, <laughs> yeah. he's open to suggestions, I'm sure. All right, so it's just more therapy, Susan. Okay. You'll work through it. Okay. You'll be all right. Okay. Okay. Oh. I mean, imagine your your brother having sex with you when you're uh, seventh grade. I, I can't. Uh, even, I mean, it's uh, like a, a oh boy. I think about him taking my baseball glove, and I'm still pissed off about that. <laughs> it's still that, that. So I can't, you know, not to make light of her situation, but the, the things that happen to you when you're, I don't know, less than thirteen, fourteen years old are just so profound. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It just uh, it just uh, sticks in there. I uh, I drank out of a uh, water jug that was uh, had my roommate's uh, spare tooth he used to keep in there. He used to pull his tooth out, and he kept it at the bottom of his water jug. And I swigged off it for a couple of weeks, and then one day I saw the tooth floating at the bottom. What tooth? That was a year of therapy right there. What tooth? He had an extra tooth. Give me extra tooth. He had a tooth that he pulled in and out. A tooth. Like a tooth. A false tooth. Yeah, it was a fall. Well, he made it sound like he had his own tooth. He's yanking it out. Well, it was his own tooth, as far as I know. It was stuck in there on one of those, uh, you know, one of those posts. Uh, posts. Yeah, yeah. used to keep it at the bottom of the jar. Drink out That's of it a for a month. Yeah, you know, especially when you're drinking out of the jar, this tooth floating around the bottom of the thing. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so we all have our crosses to bear. Uh, I don't know where John Leguizamo is, but uh, we'll give him a good ass whooping when he shows up. <laughs> Love line, our guest tonight is DB Sweeney, and we will be back in 10 seconds. This is Love Line on Radio Station. All right, phone number for Love Line 1 800 LVE 191, fax number 310 854 DB Sweeney. The actor is here tonight. He has a uh, new series out, C-16, FBI. It's on uh, ABC Saturdays at 8 o'clock. And um, just talking a little shop with DB during the break. He's uh, a new uh, homeowner and um, is... Um, you, yeah, the, the uh, term homeowner is a bit of a misnomer. It really is. Yeah. Uh, because the whole definition to owning something is uh, really doing what you want with it. It's like if you, let's say you own your car, if you had to like go go down to the uh, city uh, planning commission and ask them if you could take it to the liquor store, it wouldn't really be much of, wouldn't be worth owning, would it? No. And uh, the whole uh, owning your own home, the the American dream, uh, not really. You don't own it. Uh -huh. Well, you own it, but... If you want to do something on it, you got to ask a bunch of people and then pay them, and they come around and <laughs> and then they sign off on. It. I guess if you live out in the desert in Arizona or someplace and you got 150 acres of land and you're out in the middle with your house, maybe you do what you want. But anytime you're in a community, 
It's amazing the hoops you have to jump through to, uh, uh, just to just to put up a new wall. Uh, these are uh, this is the uh, scariest element of uh, of our society. I uh, DB's just getting on, uh, just starting to uh, get into the pain that I've uh, been through over the last uh, year or so with my house and. Uh, Guys, uh, inspectors telling you that uh, you needed a 32-inch door uh, to accommodate the wheelchair uh, access in the bathroom, even though... Uh, the house is on a cliff. That my house is up on a cliff. <laughs> it takes well, it's about 75 to 80 stairs, literally, to get to the... Uh, I, I charge uh, my uh, Hollywood neighbors uh, to uh, walk up and down my stairs as a, uh, as a workout. I charge them a little extra if they bring my groceries uh, because of the weight factor. <laughs> But seriously, it's it, you have to be in some pretty good shape to. Uh, you'd have to have a crane to put a wheelchair up on. In your my house. grandmother came to see my house she and she pitched a tent on the lawn. She <laughs> went up the first like flight. I brought her <laughs> brought her out some like uh, you know dehydrated eggs and whatnot, and she pitched it right there. And then the following day, with with some help with an oxygen and a Sherpa guide, she uh, she made it to the summit. She uh, planted a flag, uh, passed wind, and went home. But the point is, is I got to have this door wide enough to accommodate a wheelchair. Uh, you couldn't get a wheelchair in there with a uh, and catapult or uh, or a uh, one of those um, uh, Her- Hercules helicopters the military uses to uh, bail out the third world countries with supplies. But that that door's got to be big enough. And there's no conversation. There's no explaining oh, the steps. No. There's no. no. no it's as, like, a, as a matter of fact, the guy, the guy came and saw it. Yeah. The, guy, the inspector came and looked oh, at it. The the, the temerity. To sit there and tell you the that. temerity of you, the homeowner, telling him uh, what you would like in your own home and what you wouldn't like in your own home. Oh, the audacity! Hey, you give me a hard time? Uh, no, 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 because uh, <laughs> I won't let you do anything else on your home. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to uh, sound condescending, sir. Well, that's better. You're having this conversation in your living room. This is a representational government, by the way. Oh, please. please. Abraham Lincoln is rolling over in his grave. Oh. He really is. <laughs> you buy a house, then you have to argue with some idiot about uh, about what you can do in your own house. Absolutely amazing. All right. Uh, meanwhile, have as many kids as you like. Uh, have as many guns as you like. Uh, buy as much booze as you like. Uh, it's, uh, that's all fine. But uh, God forbid you should put a, a bathroom door in that's narrower than 32 inches. That's when the government really comes down. And that's you know why? You know why the government really comes down? What's the coincidence here? I mean, why would they really come down on a bathroom door, but not on something like uh, having kids? Because they can. Because there's money in it for them. They they know it's worth money with all these BS trumped up permits and all the rest of this crap. Oh. That's the same reason in L.A. why the biggest enforced, you know, you hear about people getting arrested for something and then getting convicted of it. The biggest thing that that happens for is drunk driving because the people that commit drunk driving had enough money to have a car so you can get a fine out of them. Well, everything involving a car in L.A. is is money, whether it's the parking enforcement or whatever. I mean, it's it's they just they just lean you over. I, I would love to see what happened. I would love to see what went on. I'd like to conduct a, an experiment in this uh, fine city of ours. If there were any sort of usable public transportation, do you think they would bend everyone over the way they bend them over? I, mean, I got a ticket in front of my garage the other day for facing the other direction, the wrong direction on a street. I have no friend of mine. In front of my... Uh, he was. He what? said, it's my driveway. Why can't I park the way I want oh. in my driveway? What? Because there's money in it for them. Bastards! You uh, parking just, enforcement uh, more, I, people I ought all commit suicide. Money is just a symbol of what's really in it, which is power. 
and people, you give that guy the this inspector, he has the power to just uh, screw you around, well, he's going to use it. No. That's his whole reason for living. Oh, you people are all flawed. Uh, Megan, <laughs> you're 17, and tomorrow's trash day again. Uh, that's uh, my own my own private. You never talk. You never. You didn't talk about this on the radio. Uh, I sent uh, my hench. Oh yes, I did. No, you talk about going to do it. You and I talked about it subsequently. All right, uh, DB. My my big concern is I can't get my garbage picked up. I mean, you all can, the steps. You can no longer no. You can no longer throw away a uh, garbage bag anymore. Everything has to fall into one of these uh, provided canisters. And if it's not in there, it doesn't get into the garbage truck. Know what I mean? Like, you can't yeah, take yeah, yeah. a bunch of leaves, put it in a garbage sack, and expect the guy to pick it up. Uh, after all, uh, he's only a garbage man. He's not going to pick up garbage. So I put a bunch of stuff in a sack, and uh, I sent one of my uh, henchmen down to the curb to, uh, like, actually uh, intimidate the guy into putting the garbage in there. And he, he ended up letting me do it last week, but said if I ever wanted to put any other extra garbage into his truck that I had to like apply for some sort of voucher, pay the city 20 bucks. They give me a sticker and I put the sticker on the garbage bag so that they get their little extra money. I guess paying uh, several hundred thousand dollars in taxes a year is uh, not sticker enough to get the goddamn garbage in the truck. Please, I want my own garbage force. When a guy following me around with a pointy stick, well, I just toss wrappers willy-nilly out my car window, and they, they scurry to pick it up. Please, arguing with the garbage man about picking up garbage. Throw it in the truck. Throw it in the truck. Hey, I've well, said that's what it, you I've were going to do. I've said it, it, I, that, that's what I'm going to do. Yes, it's vigilante uh, refuse uh, justice. <laughs> my, here's my whole thing with the garbage thing, and then I'll, I'll get off of it, but I get excited. They have to start putting on the application to be garbage men. If you have difficulty getting in and out of a vehicle, you cannot be a garbage man. It has to be right there. That's fair. On, I, I think it is. I think handling of garbage with, seems like something that comes with the territory. I would think. It's not like you're asking a, a manicurist to pick up the garbage. No. He's a garbage man. You get out of the effing truck, you pick up the garbage, you we'll, idiots. We'll get you some gloves, oh, but geez. you need to handle garbage. <laughs> Neighbor telling me I had to bribe the guy to pick it up. Oh, no. That was great. Yeah, he slipped 20 bucks, they'll pick it up. <laughs> i got to bribe a guy to pick up the garbage? You pick up the damn garbage. All right, enough garbage talk. I'm, I'm getting excited Megan. again. Megan. That was a form yes. of therapy. Yeah. What's going on? Um, I had this date last weekend with this guy, and... Um, well, I met him at an amusement park, and and we went out last weekend, and I didn't know him very well, and um, the date went okay, but we went to Disneyland, and then um, afterward, I, I'm not sure what happened, and I can't remember what happened. All I can remember is waking up and... We were, like, in a hotel or his place or something. Had you been drinking? Well, no, just, like, soda, you know, because we're at Disneyland. Right, Have we, you seen him since? <laughs> no. We won't count that, uh, by the way, Megan. Well, no. no. And I, I'm just really freaked out because I was a virgin, and I don't know if I still am because I, like, woke up, and he was, he was touching me, and he was, like, licking my breast, and... You're 17? Yes. How old is he? 23. Uh, did you go have, like, a forensic examination and see if anything had happened? No. I don't even know how I got home. When was this? This was, like, 
a week and a half ago. All right, let me just try to put this uh, together. You met him in an amusement park. Yes. You went on a date uh, to another amusement park. Yes. Uh, the date ended. Uh, what's the last you remember of the, the date at Disneyland? Well, we were kissing, and he asked me if I wanted to go somewhere else, and I thought he meant, like, out to dinner or something. And I said, sure. And then the next thing I remember, I, like, woke up, and we were in a room someplace, like in a bedroom, but I don't know where we were. Mm-hmm. And he was touching you? Yes. And uh, what were you wearing? Um, very little. Um, but you are wearing, like, panties? Yes. And that was it? That was it. Mm. And then she doesn't remember how she got home after that. All right. Uh, so we don't know but, what happened. But, but you sort of blacked out between there and home, or you just kind of groggy between there and home? I, like, blacked out between there and home. Mm, uh, but, uh, let's see, I'm trying to be delicate here. Wouldn't you know? I mean, uh, Not necessarily. You wouldn't? Not necessarily, Well, no. I don't know, because I don't have much experience. Yeah, but... And, uh, yeah. you know, I haven't dated a whole lot, and... I mean, this is the first... Well, time. look, the, the, here, here are the two issues for me. One is that you were pretty clearly drugged. You think so? Yeah, unless unless you have some sort of uh, medical problem, a seizure disorder. Right, because there's no alcohol involved. Yeah, or if you have a severe psychiatric problem where you dissociate. Has that ever happened to you? Well, you want to gamble, I mean... Oh, uh, well, listen, don't... Uh, listen, I mean. what, Megan, don't... If you're, if you're nuts, tell us at the beginning of the call, please. So you you have you have multiple personality disorder? No, that's that's not a diagnosis I've had, but I, I have had others. What what have, were they? Um, mostly they just say it's like severe depression, but with some psychotic symptoms. Okay. I'm not sure why. Any abuse or anything? Some, yeah. What kind? Well, emotional, definitely, and yeah, we're all emotional that, abuse. But <laughs> <laughs> get abused I, I by the know. inspector and the garbage man on a weekly basis. There might have been sexual abuse, but I don't right. really know. But, but there's something called a dissociative disorder. There's a series of disorders that dissociate where people sort of dissociate. They don't they don't uh, stay in touch with reality. They they sort of go out. And multiple personality multiple personality is one of those dissociative disorders where you know, the, the the executive person or the primary person sort of dissolves and these other personalities come out. And then when the executive uh, person comes back. He or she well, doesn't know what's been well, going on. Well, the executive usually knows what's been going on, but the, the the person that is the identified person may not know what went on. The person that's the primary subject may not know what Wait happened. Wait a minute. Isn't the primary subject the executive? No, the executive usually is sitting behind the scenes, and they, you find that one later. Mm. And the, the executive usually knows what's going on. All right. Well, what should Megan do anyway? Well, I, yeah, she should have had a forensic examination to All see. Right, let, if, let, stay away from this guy. Stay away from this guy. She should have been seen. Stay away from amusement parks in yeah. general. She, she needed. She needs to see a gynecologist to see if there's any evidence of any any uh, any rape and or don't, any, don't, any exposure yeah. or anything. And is she pregnant? And, but and, in the future, don't make us guess for ten minutes and about alcohol and this. stuff. I think you, she should report this too. And she, if she has been in psychiatric care, she needs to check in with those people and tell the story and see if they be- agree that the police should be notified. Okay. And uh, make sure this isn't some manifestation for psychiatric problems. Oh boy. <sighs> Todd. Todd. Todd's asleep. No, Todd's asleep. Todd's twenty-six. You want to pot him up uh, a little there, Engineer Mike? See if we can hear him. 
Todd? You can hear him, hear him breathing. So you have somnambulism. Uh-huh. Todd? Yeah. Yeah. Always cracks me up. You know, I'll tell you, there's no uh, greater endorsement uh, as uh, <laughs> as a radio host. There's nothing that brings more joy to your heart than when you uh, punch into one of the callers and they're just they're just nodded off. The reviews are in. I see <laughs> yeah, Todd gives it um, um, uh, one drool up. Okay. All right. Well, we'll leave Todd there, and uh, sometimes uh, they magically come back. Come back to him. He might be there. It's uh, it's absolutely. He dreamed bizarre. you picked up on him. Jane. Put them all to sleep tonight? Jane? This be the garbage talk. She's sleeping, too. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. Oh, boy. It really makes me... It really warms the cockles of my heart. Rob? Yep. Rob's been on hold for four minutes. Are we starting to nod off, Rob? I don't know. Yeah, it usually comes about the six or seven minute mark. <laughs> Hi, right, Rob. You're 24. You're on with D.B. Sweeney. Yeah, Rob. Uh, Emma's story earlier mm-hmm. about the guy coming up yeah. being in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I installed cable for about three years. In, Is that uh, some sort of euphemism for uh, taking a big cramp or something? No, no, no. No, you actually did that for a living? I was a cable guy for a major major cable company in mm-hmm. California. Mm-hmm. Um, ran across two instances of, of homeless people living under houses and having uh, young children. Uh, best one I could think of was uh, two little girls about four and six. Their mother kept telling me that they were uh, having problems with a boogeyman coming out of the closet at night when I was going to do the cable. Mm-hmm. Turned out the floor access to their house was in the girl's closet. And when we opened it up, there was uh, a blanket, some clothes, pornographic magazines, and some of the girls' toys down there. Uh, well, what'd you do with the porn? Uh, looked at it while I was down there before I laid the cable for it. <laughs> You're very sensitive. <laughs> Jesus, that is scary. What happened? Did they ever catch a guy? Uh, they came out and did, the police did an investigation and stuff. Um, I, I didn't go down there until I went back and got some pepper spray. But, um, I guess my point is just, uh, if you got small kids like that, pay attention to what they're saying, especially with stuff like that. It is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like, um... It's sort of like, although talking to like five-year-olds is like a like a Lassie episode where he's like, you know, woof woof, uh, what's that, boy? Woof woof, down at the old mine. I mean, you really you have to sort of interpret what they're what yeah. they're saying. Yeah. And God knows if you listen to all of it, you'd be you'd be running around. How do you, how do you tell what a little kid like say say the kid says uh, uh, Uncle Sal, uh, Uncle you know Sal came over and touched me, and how do you know they're not trying to get attention? I mean, or, yeah. you, you, I think you gotta you gotta assume first. Reality, and then try to disprove it. I have a question for Dr. Drew. Yeah. Um, is it possible for someone who, I have a real quick temper, and it, it gets real hot real quick. Um, is it possible to be addicted to the chemicals that are produced from that? Yeah, I mean, alcoholics, people with that biochemistry, sometimes uh, are very rewarded by thrills of various types. Amongst them can be... Uh, fighting and anger and uh, even bulimia sometimes can trigger that same mechanism. It's more rewarding for for people of that chemical makeup than, say, the average person. But in general, it's, no, not a rewarding experience. Meanwhile, John Leguizamo was supposed to be on the show tonight with his good buddy, or at least... Glad uh, I read that whole damn book. DB. <laughs> Thank <laughs> it, you, Adam, is, for giving me that project. It is so ironic that the first 
piece of research Drew has done pertaining to the show in the two years that I've been on the air with him tonight, his uh, Come Up Snake Eyes. Dr. Drew usually does not know the name of the guest until uh, the second hour of the show. He's never read a bio. He's not interested. He could care less. His job before the show begins, DB, is to distract producer Ann so that I cannot get pertinent information out of her regarding the name of the band or the CD or when it was released or the movie or what have you. That's a, that's Drew's thing. And then about two minutes before the show starts and I yell at Drew, uh, Drew, would you quiet down? I want to know the name of the CD. And oh, him and Ann are like, uh, they're outraged now. Please, we're having a discussion about uh, uh, ski passes this year. Come on. But the point is, is tonight I gave Drew Freak. That is the John Leguizamo book. And I said, Drew, for once in your life, you're going to do some homework. I threw the book at him about 15 minutes before the show started. He read it. He scanned the entire book. I said, Drew, make some notes. Come up with some interesting questions. He wrote down a few things for John Leguizamo. This is the first time. Uh, is, uh, Engineer Mike, I uh, know this is, uh, it's like everything's a, a prescription. I can barely read this stuff. Uh, masturbated at age 12. Uh, dad uh, arrested. Uh, Shot in back, night out with box. <laughs> All uh, Borden neighborhood and uh, Ebony Prince. What the hell are you writing? Drew, did you do anything at all here? The point is, is Drew actually did research tonight. He read a book and he made notes and he was going to help me interview the guest. Well, Ironically, I, I John is Leguizamo not here. I think Leguizamo might be the smartest guy in show business. He gets all three of us to do his high for him. <laughs> and he's not even here. Yeah, meanwhile, uh, there's probably other stations across the country that are, uh, I don't know where Legazamo Leg- is. He's supposed to be in here tonight. Jay Leno's there. Well, you know, <laughs> we, we thought he'd be here. <laughs> That's a great idea, isn't it, Drew? Just book yourself everywhere and never show. They probably, because if you do a show, like if you did a show like uh, Leno, they'd talk to you for about a four-minute segment, and then they'd toss you out or put you at the end of the sofa. But if you didn't show up, your name would probably come up the entire evening. This is a this is genius, Drew. We got to work this. Diabolical. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we can't get booked on a show. That's our problem. <laughs> anyway, uh, freaks the name of the book. Uh, we don't know where John is. Uh, we hope he's okay because we're beginning to worry now, and uh, we'll see if we can't get to the bottom of it. Uh, with uh, perhaps our good friend DB could send out some of his FBI pals and uh, get to the bottom of this. I'll scramble for you. Yeah, film vault. Week in, week out, we help you navigate through what's out there in the theaters. On the film vault. As well as what's streaming in a house near you, and preferably your own. Would you call the film vault a life-changing experience listening to it? I think it's mildly amusing. Mildly amusing and life-changing? As well as life-affirming. Okay, I like that. So have your life changed, affirmed, and be mildly amused on the film vault. We do it for Van Gogh every week on Podcast One. O-N-E, that's O-N-E. Them Aquavats. Oh. Your new favorite song, huh? Yeah. You know what was funny? What? I had a weird realization today. Uh. I got this uh, high school kid comes over and uh, like helps me on my yard. Yeah. He's uh, 17, yeah. maybe 16, 17. Yeah. 
I don't know if I should be talking about this because he used to work for my grandma for a couple of years. Yeah. And my grandma loves him, and he can never be at my grandma's house enough. Right. But I offer him two dollars more an hour, and he came over to my house in four seconds. But she can't know that he's over at my house. Well, now she knows. She get real pissed. Yeah, now she knows. <laughs> if I like, anyway, what about it? Lured him away. Anyway, he was telling me, yeah, he he's into the Aquabats. Oh. And he said, hey, he's into the Aquabats, and I was thinking to myself, to him, the Aquabats are like these grown-up, uh, this like band. Yeah. You know these these guys. <laughs> you know, like uh, like when you were fifteen, you're listening like you know, Leonard Skinner or something. Right. They're like a bunch of men. Yeah. Uh, to us, they're a bunch of goofy, goofball kids. So it was kind of, I was just kind of funny, because the Aquabats were uh, 21, 22, yeah. something, something like that. Yeah. yeah, so this high school kid's like, oh, Aquabats, they're a big deal. To me, it's like, hey, they're a bunch of uh, screwed up religious kids. Nice guys, but just bizarre. Uh, just, anyway, that was a weird night, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. D.B. Sweeney is here tonight. Uh, he's brought popcorn for all. C-16, FBI, ABC, Saturday. Uh, 0800 hours. Is that, is that 8 yeah, o'clock? We got or a bunch of calls. Is that yeah. uh, 020? Uh, is that 20 hours? 2000, yeah. Well, we got a bunch of calls for DPS. Oh, we do? Yeah. Oh, okay. What's that? Like here? You're not going to eat popcorn and he can answer the calls. One, okay. Start with That's one. great. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca? Oh, thank you, DB. Hello? Yeah, talk to DB. <laughs> Hi, DB. How are you? Good. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm fine, thanks. Um, I just called. I have no problem that I want to talk about. I just called because I wanted to talk to you. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I'll tell you about my problems. Hang on a second. <laughs> okay. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. Um, I, I love your show. I, I've been watching C-16, and you're great. And I've loved you in Strange Luck. I loved you in Cutting Edge. And I was, I was wondering if you have any movie coming out, or are you totally committed to C-16? Castles of Frost, Part 2. <laughs> oh. Breaking Training. <laughs> If, if not heard that it's all it's, uh, it's in all the trades no okay I'm, I'm doing a movie for Disney called Dinosaurs which is a huge did you ever see that movie Toy Story uh, yeah, yeah yeah it's kind of like that with dinosaurs they're gonna all dinosaurs are computer generated and all the backgrounds are real so they're gonna like film all these jungles in Kauai and Brazil and places like that and then put all these computer generated dinosaurs in them and it's about the uh, extinction of the dinosaurs it's kind of a it's a are really you, cool are you a voice or are you I'm a the voice man? I'm the voice of the main dinosaur but oh. if you Follow that kind of animation. They kind of uh, what's the, what theory are they going to espouse? Meteor. Meteor. Yeah. Meteor. Yeah. What uh, what voice do you? I mean, do you do you do a voice or is it just your voice? Um, it's sort of my voice, but I, you know, I'm a 15 year old 40 ton dinosaur. Wow. So, uh, so it's pretty similar to me. When's it coming out? Uh, about two more years, year and a half. Uh, it must be great to do something with Disney because you know it's going to be good. Well, you, and you know it's, it's like, going to be like hyped, being, and you know it's well, going to like be huge. Well, it's part of a uh, leg era. It's or the history, biggest movie yeah. they've ever done. It's movies. The budget of the movie is well over a hundred million dollars. Oh my god! And uh, it's going to be. It's really going to be something special. They're, who they're, else? Uh, who are the voices? Juliana Margulies and uh, Joan Plowright and Kiefer Sutherland, Alfre Woodard. And, are any uh, parts open still? Yeah, actually, we, that's why I wanted to run that by you guys. Well, Adam, I'll take you out. We'll be fine. <laughs> Is Bobcat in this one, too? <laughs> yeah, we're pretty tight with Bobcat, so, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I know he, he was having a, he was sort of the kingmaker on this thing. He was actually deciding who <laughs> he couldn't get oh, himself. But What a gig. How do you get that gig? You know, I went and met the people over. Di- I always wanted to do it my whole life, you know, and, and I got to a certain Yeah, because you're immortalized when you oh, do that. That's, yeah, I, I started that's to figure, I started thinking about it, and... Movie comes out two more years, and I thought every kid born last year, of all the kids born in America last year, next year, and the year after, eighty yeah. percent of them are going to see this, you know, right. at some point. Yeah. And right. 
And it's got, and, you know, and Disney, they just do quality. I mean, people criticize them for being, what, predictable or whatever sometimes. Uh-uh. Or all the other things they do wrong, but they do quality. Well, listen, the best people. Forget about it. Who can touch them in yeah. their record, their, yeah. you know, the past uh, 50 years? My kids live and breathe that stuff. Oh, they're gonna be waiting right now for the next yeah, two years. It's actually it's, it's good. Film it's like, to come out. It's uh, I play a dinosaur who's See, raised I, I, by they lemurs. They don't do. They wouldn't have to even uh, hire me. They just can give me all the crap that comes out for that film, and I'd be I'd be very happy. That's a Drew's subtle attempt that uh, he he wants. He wants a couple t-shirts. He wants a little booty next uh-huh. time you're in here. Oh yeah. Your yeah. dinosaur that's raised by lemurs. Yeah, he's kind of like he becomes and he becomes sort of Moses for the lemurs. Like when the when the meteor hits the earth and all the dinosaurs are dying off. Because he's he was raised by the lemurs, he's learned some of their tricks about adaptability, mm-hmm. and he helps them to survive the initial shock. Uh, so it's the lemur, it's the this dinosaur that allows the mammals to be the next uh, yeah exactly phase of life. True, on Earth. true. You're it's two kinda, steps ahead of everybody. Uh, it's, but it's really interesting. Like it deals, you know, that you're in this paradise set- setting, and then they destroy it. So I think it's going to be you know pretty traumatic for little kids. Uh-huh, like they're in this uh-huh, paradise, uh-huh. and then they wipe it out and turn it into a wasteland. They, yeah. Did you have you finished it already? No, I'm, well I'm about almost done with my voice stuff, and then they go out and they animate to the things you've done, and a lot of the preliminary animation has already taken place. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a really interesting pl- process. So anyway, I know that's not like, like go out and see it on Friday. It's two years away, but it's going to really be something great. Well, I know that when you prom- when you do the promotion for Disney movie, they'll fly you around in Disney jet. So, and the announcement, the voice of the, the announcing voice in the Disney jet is Mickey Mouse's voice. Really? <laughs> you mean the captain? <laughs> no, like, uh, please fasten your seatbelt. Like, right, right. Yeah, That's so. a, Have you been on that jet? No. From the flight deck. <laughs> Mickey. Wow, that's oh, something to look forward to. They have Donald Adam, Goofy up there, you're really in trouble, I suppose. Adam, 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 yeah. Adam, Drew, I didn't forget you guys. I love your show. Thank you. I just got too excited because TV is on. Yeah. Thank you so much for <laughs> being on hold all that time. What, what's your nationality, Rebecca? Um, I'm from Japan. Ah. Yeah. It's a sort of a forbidden love. Uh, well, you and, well, you and uh, DB. obviously from my accent, it's, got, it's kind of hard to get rid of. Because you're attracted to DB, aren't you? Uh, yeah, very much. Yeah. I have a huge crush on him. And let me tell you, he's all man. He's A lot of these guys come in, they're all, you know, um, you know they're like jockeys. You meet them. <laughs> they they're, you know, look real good on TV and everything, but uh, they, they work with midgets and they lower the doorways and stuff like that. It's very unimpressive. DBs, he's all man. What are you, six foot? Uh, six yeah, one? Six foot. They're very solid, very athletic looking. Yeah. You have a sports uh, background? Yeah, I was a baseball player and, you know, played all the sports in high school that whatever season it was. But Probably would have gone pro game. had a, the acting bug not bit you. I hurt my knee pretty bad when I was 17. Jeez, oh, that's right. And I'm getting I, to that stage in life where i got to start working in an injury, too, as to why I didn't uh, go further in my sports career. I'm going with back. Are you going back? Yeah. For well, your me, shoulder. I, you got that. Oh, my shoulder. Yeah, my shoulder. Yeah, yeah, it is it's Probably up. a good that's thing right. in a way. Like, if I had, you know, who knows how good I might have been because when you're 17 you can't really tell. I was good enough to, to play with the idea. Right. And But you don't know yet at that point in baseball especially like that's like in basketball by the time you're 18 or 19 you pretty much can figure out what you got in football. But in Yeah. If you're like me and you, baseball, can't, you can't touch the net with a running start you can pretty much rule yourself you out. You can rule yourself out. And, uh, you baseball, can't. like draft choices, don't mean anything. They draft a guy. I mean, like this kid Todd Van Poppel a couple of years ago. They gave him all this money when he was 18 years old, and he didn't pan out. And more, you know, baseball players arrive when they're about 21 or 22 years old, 20 years old. The odd Ken Griffey will come along where at 18, you know what he was going to be. But generally speaking, that sport is a harder one to, to uh, scout and draft than others. So I'm just yeah. All well, there. It probably was good for me because I got to get out of it quick because I was hurt. Got into acting, and I didn't turn into a 26-year-old guy with a bad tobacco habit, an old pickup truck, and, you know, two screaming kids before I figured out how to do something else. 
<laughs> Ex-athletes, especially at the high school level, always make uh, the worst uh, worst citizens. They always get fat. They always pick up some sort of substance thing, and they start yelling at their kids. Jane. Yes, hi. You're 25. Yeah. She woke up. She was asleep. <laughs> well, you guys put me on hold for so long. All right. We're going to put her back on hold. Well, no. <laughs> Jane. Oh. What woke you up? Well, no, somebody just said, Jane, I woke up. No, actually, I was listening to the show. I, was, I kind of dozed up a little. Okay. But actually, I just wanted to ask uh, D.B. a question about his movie, but you guys already answered it. But um, I watched C-16. It's a great show. Thank just you very much. I wanted to tell you that. Yeah, help get the word out. Nobody watches TV on Saturday night, so we need all the help we can get. Oh, I do. It's, it's a great show. I liked it. Thank you. Um, and also, I have a question for Dr. Drew. Yes, ma'am. Um, Dr. Drew, I want to, like, get some therapy because I have some issues that I want to deal with. Uh-huh. But, um, I don't know where to go, how to go about, you know. Do you have a primary care doctor? Yes, I do. That's where you start. But, I mean, it's something that I know my, um, insurance won't cover. And well, but it, it's, is it, are you, is this primary care person in the HMO? Yeah, it is. All right, so he or she wouldn't necessarily know where the best therapists are. Yeah, and I... Um, you might start with the hospitals, or if there are any psychiatric units nearby, and ask... But you. I don't know if I could afford it right now. What city do you live well, in? Then go to the HMO and ask them for a referral. What city do you live in? Anaheim. Anaheim? Yeah. Well, come down here Sunday. <laughs> I'll talk to you. Well, I don't know. That might screw me up a little bit. Oh, man, I wouldn't. Oh. Believe me. Well, I'll straighten you right out. No, I have some uh, serious issues that I want to deal I'm with. I'm not going to be here this Sunday either, so I don't trust... Oh, really? ...you to be alone with any of our listeners. Who's going to be here? It's not Bruce Marcel. Bruce. Oh, okay. I All mean, right. Adam, your your advices are great, but I think, um, I think I'm going to need some more sound advice. Why? What happened? Um, just, you know, fear of intimacy, just sexuality and things like that. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I, as, as God is my witness, I'm better in three-quarters of the shrinks working out there. I, I believe that it. is such a scary, grandiose thing to say. He does true, cut to the chase. Is it or is it not true? I don't know. I mean, uh, you, 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 from the standpoint of your hold on, Drew, you want to put your fist in your mouth this time when you answer <laughs> the question? From the standpoint of your your uh, intuitive and and general insight, that's good, and that may be better than a lot of people. But in terms of re- doing the work, mm-mm. what work? What are you talking about? The work of therapy. What do, What do I got to do? I'm just I'm the therapist. You mean you mean me personally? Yeah, you said you want to go do the therapy on her. No, right. Don't you don't think that. I could do that? No. You don't think I'm better than? Uh, all right, I'll lower it to half no, to people you, that again, are working out. You may out have there. you may have a keen insight and a sense of people, but actually doing the the therapy work. Uh-uh. Why not? What are you talking about? Listen, so. I've been to enough therapy. They sit there. Hey, listen, you want to know how? Hey, listen, you go another three years, then maybe we'll talk about. Oh, it. Oh, please, Drew. You need therapy. Smart well, ass. I mean, Adam, if you can save me t- some time and offer me a good advice, I'll take it. But I. All right. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna let you come in here and get a free consultation, but forget it now. <laughs> you go uh, spiral into your uh, mental instability. Okay, you can talk, talk to the, the primary care physicians. Usually, know where the good therapists are. If not, the hospitals do, particularly if they have a psychiatric unit. Awesome. And it's word of mouth is is probably the most important, I would say, way of right, finding right. I'll do a little therapy with uh, the famous actor D.B. Sweeney. All right, D.B., um, here's all it takes to be a therapist, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, pick a topic, D.B. You don't have to get too close to home. Maybe it's something that has to do with work. Uh, maybe it's your relationship or your fading relationship with John Leguizamo. Maybe it's the, the sham of a relationship you thought you had with him. Maybe it's the frustrations with the house. Whatever it is. Just uh, let me. 
Childhood. Okay. Go ahead and start, DB. Um, well, I've got some issues with my childhood. I want you to help me sort out. Mm-hmm. Such as? I don't, I don't know what order to put them in. Can you help me with... Where should I start? Well, why don't we just start at the beginning? Okay. Well, my dad videoed it, and it really freaked me out, because I saw it when I was nine. You saw yourself being born? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, ever since then, I touched myself in public places. Mm-hmm. We're out of time, uh, DB. Um, but I, I, this is some pretty... I think we're... Now, we're getting close to some stuff, and um, we're really getting somewhere here, and uh, we'll just pick it up uh, next Wednesday. What do I do between now and then, Doc? Don't call. All right. Just, um, uh, I want, you know what I want you to do? Yeah. I want you to get a uh, notepad. Mm -hmm. I want you to keep it with you. I want you to write down some of the ideas, some of the um, questions that you might have, uh, memories of the past, and then bring that in next Wednesday. Okay. And we'll talk about it for... Um, 42 minutes. Thank you. I feel better. Okay. Okay. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. And um, could you tell the next couple to come on in? Thanks. All right. That is therapy. That's how you do it, Drew. You understand? Mm -hmm. I, I know I've had more therapy than you have, so you can't question me. To me it's like I've been to Europe and you have it, And you're going to tell me about European architecture? Please. All right. We'll be back. Bye-bye. Be right back. This week on the Brett Easton Ellis Podcast, actor, screenwriter, musician Jason Schwartzman talks about what his famous family thinks about Hollywood. It's very well known. Your mother is Talia Shire and your uncle is Francis Ford Coppola. And I think people might automatically assume you were raised in a very Hollywood-ish family. Mm -hmm. But the fact remains that your uncle was notoriously un-Hollywood in a sense, as was your mother despite her successes. My mom detests Hollywood mm -hmm. and, and she still talks about Hollywood as if it's some gang even now i mean even the other day she was like texting me something like you know you may hear this you may hear that but watch your back the brett easton ellis podcast download it now at podcast one.com that's podcast one.com Forget the phone number. It's a love line. I'm Adam Carolla. We're just going to have some fun with that. And tonight, our guest is the actor D.B. Sweeney. David! <laughs> Can you believe you make more than me? <laughs> oh, I must. I know I do, because you, you live you, you live a uh, block away from here, Mike, which is, uh, which uh, unless you're working for the fire department across the street, is bad news. John Leguizamo is not here tonight. D.B. Sweeney is here tonight. DB is uh, in a series, C-16, FBI. Uh-oh. Oh, you want some David Viscott? Sherry's the only what? one who knows uh, David Viscott. Oh, Lisa knows David Viscott. David Viscott was a real popular uh, psychologist, talk show. Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Who uh, was on the air, uh, on the AM dial here for many, many, many years. And... Um, Viscott died probably about three, four years ago. Maybe just two, three years. Oh, Drew punched a mic. I knew it happened sooner or later. Anyway, do you remember uh, David Viscott? Uh, you? I'm oh. not familiar. Uh, Viscott, um, 
All right. Well, it's the only impression I do, and it's not even very good. But I'm I'm doing it for. Uh, oh, shut up over there, Mike. What do you care about bad radio? <laughs> Listen, I get fired, you'll still be here. What do you care? Viscott was the he. he uh, he's the only impression I do, and I do him poorly. But uh, no one knows who he is but Sherry. But what the hell, anyway? All right. I'll uh, I'll do my Viscott uh, with you uh, there again, DB. My friend, what's the problem? Um, it's, it's, I had the camp. Stop, figure. wait, go back. What was that? I, uh, right there. What was that? Go there. Go to that place. What was that? Where, uh, you were right there. You were the, DB, you were there, then you got up and left. Now go back to that place. I heard your pause there. What was that? Indecision. Um, mm-hmm. All right. I, uh, Let's go there. Uh, I'm indecisive. Uh, stop, wait. Go back. What was that? The uh? Yeah. Right before you said decisive, you said uh. What was that? Uh. Doubt. Doubt? Uh-huh. And? Fear. And? Indecision. And? <laughs> Late until Wait a minute. No, wait. No, no. no, wait. Stop. Now go back. What was that? All right. Listen, my friend. You can't come from a place of indecision, doubt, fear, and latent homosexuality until you've come from a place of love. Oh. Come from that place. Go there. Go there tonight. After the show, go to that place of love. I want you to lie down, and I want you to roll around in it like a, uh, like a pork chop that has been uh, covered in egg batter, and you're rolling in flour. Roll in the flour of love, my friend. Thank you. Come from that place. All right. Godspeed. Ah, oh, that was the late uh, David Viscott. <laughs> for those of you who don't know who David Viscott was, it was a better impression uh, for, than those of you who know him. Hello? David. <laughs> What's going on? I'm, I'm recovering from that impersonation that I was good at him. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Basically, um, this is for Adam or Drew or anyone who can uh, pitch in. Just recently out of a, a long-term relationship, short marriage... Uh, for the last eight years, uh, for the last five months, I've been having phone sex, and uh, I've been pretty good at not getting involved with anyone. Hold on a second, my friend. I'm working on a book. Let me just make a quick note. Uh, addendum to Chapter 8, Swimming Against the Tide, Self-Mastering the 90s. Oh, I lost it. Sorry. So, Go ahead, David. Uh, okay. Uh, basically, for the last five months, I've been having phone sex. I've been meeting women on a live chat line and having phone sex. Uh, and, you know, that was working because I didn't have to get involved emotionally. And uh, just recently, about the last month and a half, I met someone who um, I've pretty much been monogamous with over the telephone. And um, it's like I'm starting to have feelings for her. Stop, wait. Uh, right there. Go back to monogamy, my friend. Yeah, monogamy over the phone? Yes. You don't You don't know who she is. You have to be monogamous over the phone, my friend. Well, meaning I'm not having any more sex, uh, phone sex partners. With other people. He's Correct. landed here and staying here. Right. But, I mean, you don't know who this is. I mean, what 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 is this? What's the relationship built on? Uh, I, I think, I mean, it's not just a phone sex relationship. I mean, we, we talk about other things as well. Do you have any idea who she is? Uh, as far as where she lives, what she does. Yeah, I, I have a. I mean, we've exchanged pictures, and I know where she lives, and uh, you know all that. I mean, it's not. It's not like there's no face with with the voice, or you know, it's just 
been a mystery for this month and a half. It's, I mean, it's been pretty personal. All right. So what's the question? My question is, I'm not wanting to get involved emotionally, and it seems that I, I You don't am. want to get involved because you've just been out of a relationship. Yeah, basically. How long have you been out? Uh, about five months now. You don't want a girlfriend? I, I guess I don't want to be responsible for someone emotionally. You're not. Period. Okay. You're not. I mean... What's that mean? Why does he have to feel responsible for another person's feelings? I mean, I, this girl can take care of herself. Well, there's a certain responsibility. There's a responsibility to be honest and yeah. uh, tell her, you know, to, and, but why do you have to go f fall in love with somebody again? Why can't you just uh, have a relationship? Why can't you go date? Mm, I don't I know. You know hey, DB, me, can you do that? Can you just date? I can't just date. You mean euphemistically or? I mean, can you just have a couple of girls that you go out with and uh, I, I don't know because it seems like he if you're in that. He, doesn't, he doesn't want a relationship he I wish I could do that yeah but he knows he'll be drawn in if he just begins dating her well that's right a, correct true we're not the ice uh, but, prince I mean, like you what, we you, have emotions and feelings you the one that was lecturing me about uh, you only do the things you really want to do it's because you want to that you do these things you create these things yeah and uh, he's saying he doesn't want to be in a relationship he doesn't want to get drawn in and yet Magically, he gets drawn in every time. Even right. with people yeah. he shouldn't be drawn in with. More or less. Right. Okay, so what Drew's saying is uh, that you do want to be in a relationship. Well, it seems that with her, I mean, we, I don't know, it's just we connect. And that there's, there's something there that I haven't felt in a long time. All right, so go ahead then. <laughs> Please. You're 30 Sounds like years you just want to take it real slow. I mean, you started talking on the phone, then you exchange pictures, and then maybe, you know, a couple, six months, you'll work up to a cup of coffee. Six months? Uh, Listen, David. I know. I know. The first time that I see her, we're going to have sex. Really? Bottom line. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's too good over the telephone not to. Oh boy, is that going to be disappointment? What do you mean disappointment? Oh please, you'll never be as good as you are on the phone. It's all fantasy, still. It's all those projections, and it's all in your own head, each other's head, but not in re any reality. All right. So uh, <laughs> it's weird. It's like you've nailed someone 150 times before you even meet them. That's bizarre. <laughs> I'm not into the phone sex. Never was. That's, uh, when you're in a relationship and uh, you have to be apart, I think it's a useful tool. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, that's fine. But um, that's sort of stranger phone sex stuff. I would rather have a grainy, black and white, uh, shadowy newspaper picture <laughs> than um, have uh, Cindy Crawford on the other line uh, telling me the bizarre things she wanted to do to me. C Cindy Crawford confirmed or somebody alleging to be Cindy Crawford? Even confirmed. Who's the grainy picture of? <laughs> My grandmother. You gotta go Cindy C. Yeah, you're on. probably right. All right. He's right. Dave. Hey, how's it going? Good. All right. Oh, could a... you imagine how much Cindy Crawford could make doing phone sex? She could call like the uh, Sultan of Bernay <laughs> <laughs> for like a million dollars a minute and go, Sulto. <laughs> gonna come over there and just just uh, work you to your turban explodes <laughs> could you imagine this would be a great idea if i was cindy's manager i would do this she's got to work it up she could she could just get on there and say remember the clamshell the clamshell photo right. that's what i'm wearing right i i this, i can pull out the magazine this is brilliant i mean you know if uh, sylvester stallone could do like uh, cigarette ads in in in, in japan <laughs> for eight million why can't cindy crawford call the uh, the sultan or some of these uh, OPEC nation guys who are just rolling in dough and just you know give them a, you know give them three minutes of love over the phone for a couple hundred grand. Jesus, this is brilliant. I really got to get into management. Should get a cut somehow. <laughs> Dave. Yes. What's going on? Well, I just have a question for Dr. Drew. Yeah. 
And the question is, I well, first off, uh, let's establish this. I don't have any children yet. I'm married. I'm 23, and I'm thinking about having a kid. But there's all these kids out in the streets. They're doing drugs. They're running around killing each other, killing other people. And I wanted to know what's the best way or the best form of um, ooh, um, a punishment, I guess, uh, to uh, to keep a kid from getting into that kind of trend. I mean, you get you got the uh, the people saying spare the rod, spoil the child, the uh, uh, the Bible thumpers, and then you have the other people who uh, they're saying if you if you hit a kid, strike a kid in any form or fashion. All right, well, uh, listen. Here's the deal, Dave. Yeah. I think if you're a good dad and you're um, you're present, right, uh, that'll be enough. Being I mean, involved and being empathic and being a good role model are extremely important. Never underestimate the impact of modeling. Yeah, Kids well, will model your behavior. Now, in terms of striking, yeah, it's kids, not it's not about like showing up once a week, uh, laying out the discipline, and going back to wherever you were. There is overwhelming evidence that striking a kid even once will increase antisocial behavior. How about and kicking? Is if you do them okay? repeatedly, you are virtually guaranteed personality disorder. Yeah, well, you can uh, you can watch the kids some of the time, and you can watch a lot of kids. Uh, okay, David, yeah, I can see yourself uh, painting yourself right in a corner on this one. Yeah, but I feel like I'm in a corner. I mean, I mean, I haven't even had the kid yet, and I'm already worried. All right, Dave, you're too young for kids. You're 23, for Christ's sake. Hey, there's a good point. All right, there you go. And and uh, I can hear it in your voice. You're not ready. You're not ready. The fear. You're just yeah. not ready. You, no, you have just, a kid when you are, are absolutely when every piece is in place. Then have the kid. Right. How will I know what uh, when the pieces are in place? You won't be calling radio shows and asking questions about discipline. Touche. Touche. <laughs> and when it comes to okay, this, a book called Time Out for Toddlers by a guy named uh, Oh, I forget the last name. I can't remember the last name, but Time Out for Toddlers, great book. You do not punish kids. Punishment is. Clearly, a method that doesn't work. You, negative conditioning works. Withdrawing positives, withdrawing a, them from situations they like, that works. There's a book called uh, "Making Time for Masturbation" and uh, teaching, teenagers teaching teenagers to smoke. That I'd like to recommend. <laughs> well, make, I, make, I room was, <laughs> make room for masturbation. Make room for masturbation and uh, a time out for sodomy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, teaching teenagers to smoke are all uh, a part of my uh, literature. Uh, uh, requests or recommendations uh, for tonight's show. All right, uh, listen, we got to go to break. We'll be back with DB Sweeney after this. Loveline will be right back. Why? Because we like you. D.B. Sweeney, thank you very much. C-16 FBI, ABC, Saturdays, 8 o'clock. If you go to NBC, stop, wait, turn back. Go to ABC, my friends. Go to a place where you can see guys in flak jackets stopping gang violence on the streets of America. And also look for our friend D.B. making movies about dinosaurs and the big 
Bang Theory. Thank you, my friend. It was a delight. Thank you so much for having me. No imitations, Adam. Stop, wait. For, wait. No, go go no, back. No. Go to the, I'm going for it. Go to the place here. where you criticize my imitations. I'm getting in touch with that what, part what, for We're a not using the wrong word. What, what, uh, uh, not imitations. You criticize my, my uh, adaptation of... Uh, of uh, What's of, the word? Why can't we think of it? Impersonation. My impersonation. What, what was that right there? Uh, that is uh, that all your impersonations suck. Okay, now wait All a minute. All of them. Okay. Please don't do my, that. My friend, stop. Please, My no. friend. No. I like your, this I'm, character. I'm I don't know the friend. original, but I like the character. My friend, I, I need you to come from a place of love and tolerance. We come here every night. We have a uh, symbiotic relationship here. Indeed we do. Yet you lash out and attack. Yeah. I can't help but believe some of that was meant for your parents. Hey. Uh, stop. Go back to that place. Right there. Where's the place? You're nine years old. Daddy is disciplining you. Uh, there'll be no more Disney tonight. Uh, go to that place. Quickly. You're gay. <laughs> okay, my friend. That's true. So until next time, this is David Viscott for Dr. Drew saying mahalo, my friend. This has been Loveline. The opinions expressed herein are certainly opinions, that's for sure. If you'd like a written transcript of today's program, you probably should have written it down yourself. And if you did, we'd like a copy. Loveline producer Ann Wilkins. This broadcast was copyright 1997 Westwood One Entertainment. This music is MXPX on Tooth & Nail Records. Sit, Obo. Obo, stop dragging your butt across the carpet. <laughs> This concludes another PodcastOne.com program.